the Pattern Podcast. Make left traffic, clear for the option. I'm John. I'm Chris. I'm Brad. And I'm Mark. And we are the In the Pattern Podcast. Welcome to episode 18 of the In the Pattern podcast, and uh, we're uh, glad to be back, and we're all together, and uh, glad to finally get this thing going. It's been such a long time, it seems like, uh, since we uh, did our last one, which actually at this time hasn't quite been edited yet, but that's uh, will be coming out soon. Um, anyways, um, we're going to get this thing going and see if we can uh, get it knocked out in the next uh, hour and 15 minutes or so, so it's not... Uh, too long and drawn out how's everybody doing good doing good good can't complain brad's been flying all kinds of imc and john's got a new job and mark i i can complain though (laughs) i haven't flown (laughs) since since the last podcast Uh, yeah yeah mark mark's mark's got to fly but not pic unfortunately yeah that's that's thanks yeah yeah uh, and um, the weather's finally getting nice out here to where, uh, you know, every day's a good day. So, I forgot my... get cold, man. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, the weather, weather's getting to the point here where uh, IFR is fairly dangerous stuff. Yeah, icing definitely around. Um, yeah, it's uh, like in the 60s in the morning. And, uh, yeah, well, just last just last week I was at my, uh, my kid's... Uh, uh, regional swim meet and I'm like burning up dying there just getting a sunburn on the back of my neck it was uh, kind of ridiculous so anyways time to open up the uh, Line and Kugel's Oktoberfest that seems to be a good choice for this evening very nice mm-hmm. am I drinking an Oktoberfest? no I'm drinking an Irish style red Humble Patience by Magic Hat <laughs> I love these beer names man <laughs> Uh, yeah. I'm not sure if they were hammered while they were deciding on, on names or if they just thought they'd be funny on some of these. Doesn't matter. And uh, Brad, Brad Brad was drinking something. That was, what was it? Steel, uh, steel Toe Boots something? Steel Toe Descent, yeah. <laughs> steel That's, Toe Descent. In fact, descent. It's, it's nearly gone. I'm going to have to head back there tomorrow and pick up another another growler. A growler, huh? Local company, huh? Yeah, they're a local brew. Sweet. Always good. I need to go get some devil's milk. So, so let's get going. Who wants to uh, kick this off? Well, what have you been up to, Chris? Just a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Well, so obviously the the last uh, podcast we talked about my failure to uh, complete a uh, check ride, and so since then I have completed the check ride. So I'll be glad to talk about that it definitely uh went uh, a lot smoother than the uh than the first attempt that's that's for sure so this one um the way i did it was i had to get the plane over at deer valley and then fly it over to uh, uh goodyear airport to pick up my uh, dpe um 
And uh, so I did that. I went over there, and of course we um, met inside, and we talked for I don't know. It seemed like about an hour um, about the flight plan because it was a different a different flight plan than what uh, um, I first did. So that was good. It was um, good to redo some of that stuff, and I learned I learned several different things while uh, while going over the flight plan with her. So that was nice. Um, one of the things that she really hammered me on was just you know um, VOR tracking and this and that. Um, so on this flight plan, we started off at uh, Goodyear Airport, and um, let's see, we were going to uh, end up at uh, Wickenburg. Um, by way of um, the Buckeye VOR, and so basically, I just kind of explained to her, how, you know, how I decided on my way to get there and how I was going to track it and this and that. And it was a little different than the way she was she would normally do it because she's really used to flying in that direction from that airport. Um, but since I wasn't, I picked some specific landmarks and flew along some washes while I was taking off in order to intercept the uh, um, VOR. Um, and then once I intercepted it, I was going to be a straight shot from there to uh, um, to uh, the um, Kingman uh, Airport, pretty much. I was just going to use the uh, VOR to track to it and then the VOR to track away from it. And then by about the time I lost that VOR from Buckeye, I would be able to pick up the uh, Kingman VOR and uh, reel me right in. So um, she was uh, happy with uh, that discussion back and forth about the um, about the uh, uh, flight plan. And so we basically moved on out to the uh, plane, and and uh, I um, I just had it set in my mind I wasn't going to let her you know push me around in the plane and start taking control of um, throttles and whatnot. But uh, that never really happened again this time anyway. So. That was that was good. Um, so basically, uh, we we took off and uh, and headed out towards my uh, my my checkpoints and everything was going good. We were on track for everything and um, turned on to uh, my heading of the VR. And one of the things that we did is that instead it was just it was just more of it seemed to be more of a lesson than anything. Um, would you guys say that you found your your uh, your DPE to you know? teach you more on the flight than just have you fly them or i i think i've said it a bunch that that that's exactly how it felt after the first um maybe 10 minutes of the check ride it was just like a, just a regular lesson and i forgot the fact that i was on a check ride yeah agreed yeah it was um it was uh, a little a little different than the first time and and interesting that you know she was teaching me how to um intercept the VOR uh the radial that I wanted incrementally like at like at 5 degrees at a time instead of okay you're coming on it coming up on it and I need to make basically a 90 degree turn to get onto it cuz obviously by doing that you're going to overshoot it and then you're going to be like waggling back and forth trying to get centered back up on the actual radial that you want to be on you know because that's not something that we I had uh, I had really done with my instructor at that point. So that was a uh, um, good lesson to learn. I love VOR, VOR work personally. I think it's uh, it's kind of fun. So we did a we did quite a bit of that and and was circling around that uh, that Buckeye VOR quite a bit and and uh, then she asked me. She goes, "All right, if I wanted to go to um, or was it uh, somewhere in California?" 
um, not, somewhere not too far away, just basically one of the, the border cities to, to, to Arizona. I can't think of it off the top of my head right now. Um, but uh, how would you get me there? And basically that airport is on the very, very, very edge of the, uh, of the um, chart. So, you know, I just – I said, okay, can you take the plane for a second? And she took the plane. I un- un- unrolled the uh, map as far as I could and, and just started, like, estimating with uh, straight straight edge, you know, from here to there. And and uh, I said, all right, I turned to this direction. And, and then, uh, you know, that should put us pretty much in that in, uh, in that heading. And I would use the, uh, uh, the VOR to, you know, to follow – well, not to follow that VOR, but to – uh, I'd track away from the Buckeye VOR as far as I could to get there and so forth. So that we did that for a little while, um, and then basically she diverted me over to uh, Buckeye Airport for all the landings. And that was kind of interesting because they were doing um, parachuting. They were jumping that day, and uh, that was the airport that I was trying to uh, <laughs> uh, stay away from as much as possible on my actual um, – a flight plan. I wanted to, uh, you know, stay at least five miles away from it while they were doing the jumping, and they were jumping all day long. Uh, but no, she wanted to go over there and have me do all my, you know, short field and soft field landings and stuff like that. And uh, I'm like, all right, so we did. And um, not only was I, you know, we were dodging uh, parachuters, but we were also dodging uh, birds because they just decided that's where they uh, wanted to thermal for the day. So there's all kinds of crows everywhere. I'm, I'm pointing. Oh, here's a bird. Watch out. Here's a you know, here's a bird. She goes. Oh, don't worry about the birds. You know, she goes. I've hit a bird before. I go. Well, that's fine for you, but I'm I'm not interested today. You know, especially on my check ride. <laughs> so, um, but uh, the birds stayed far enough away, thankfully, and uh, and uh, I successfully made all of my all of my landings. I had one landing that wasn't great, um, but uh, and she and she said. Um, because she just chatters the whole stinking time in the airplane. I wish I wish I'd kept audio of it. She does not stop talking, and it's like I just wanted to say, you know, I need you to shut up for just like ten seconds to let me get get my thoughts together, please. And and you should say that. Yeah, it's honestly, I really should have. Well, they, and no, I mean really, they a lot of them expect you to say that. Of you know, hey, I need a sterile cockpit. I I need to focus on the landing right now. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, because you'll have passengers like that that have no clue. Right, right. I, I yeah, I just ignored her. <laughs> she said, I, I just sat there. He's talking to me, and I'm just like, like I tried to say something, and then I stopped, and then I just flew the plane for a while, and then I was like, oh, yeah, you were saying? <laughs> well, um, when I kind of botched up this one, this one landing, um, she goes, okay, all right, let's do that again, and this time I won't talk. I go, thank you. I go because because you keep talking and you keep making me want to adjust my you know glide path or whatever. Um, it, I said just let me do it. I've landed this plane a hundred times. I can do it. Um, and so the next time was just very 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 smooth. As a matter of fact, my soft field landing, she you know really praised me on because uh, it was just you you didn't even know you were on the ground when you when you first touched. It was it was really nice. So. Um, it was nice to hear some praise for a change instead of yelling at me in her German accent. <laughs> so, so now, just for clarification, was this Brunhilde again yeah. or somebody else? No, no, same one, yeah. I, oh, okay. I had told her um, 
that I was going to use her again, even though she said, you know, no hard feelings. If you want to use someone else, feel free to. And I, I was like, oh, heck no. I said, I'm going with you. I, you know, I know what you want now. I can follow directions. That's not a problem. I'm not going to try and figure out some other DPE who has a different way of doing things. So, gotcha. It didn't sound like when you were talking about it that it was the same person. No. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was somebody different. I was like, oh, oh. I, start, okay. I started the airplane properly and, you know. And, uh, According to her. Yeah. And, I, <laughs> and I, I climbed out of the airspace like a homesick angel, you know. I wasn't waiting around for nothing. I remembered what she had to say last time. And uh, and took that uh, took that to heart. I did everything that uh, I messed up last time, according to her, and, and and did it to her satisfaction this time. So um, after doing um, after doing the short field and soft field, and um, uh, what did we do? Some uh, a slip. Um, pretty much, we we I, we I did four landings there, three of which were were good, and one 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 of them wasn't very good. Um, we uh, headed back uh, to uh, Goodyear Airport, and um, and then after I landed there, uh, what she had me do another landing there. Um, I think it was another. Yeah, well, maybe it was just a standard landing, because I think I did on my short and soft field over there. And other than that, all there is is a standard landing and a slip to land, right? been so long (laughs) (laughs) i had this all fresh in my mind a a month ago (laughs) um yeah so after i did my landing there she goes okay well you've passed and i was like yes finally as long as i don't crash park in the airplane i'm in good shape (laughs) (laughs) uh so we uh parked the airplane went back inside and and uh she she uh signed signed my ticket and, and uh Went outside and took a picture with her, and everything's all good. Everything's good. Awesome. So, and uh, so since then, I, I did get my, my plastic license in the mail, and it uh, sits where it's supposed to be sitting, over top of my driver's license in my wallet. So Nice. Yeah. Good job. Mm-hmm. Very well done. Thank you, thank you. And, um, and basically, uh, since then, I've flown... I've flown two times, but only one time in uh, Formic Alpha, the, the Archer that I rent. Um, about five or six weeks ago, I flew up to uh, Flagstaff with my buddy Dean. You probably saw my tweet about that. Um, we did it. We, he does a blood run up there, takes a box of uh, blood platelets up there to uh, Flagstaff from Deer Valley. Uh, one, um, one like Sunday a month, and. Um, I flew up there with him this time, and uh, when we landed, the tail wheel popped on the uh, on his little Cessna 140. And uh, so that was interesting. It, it, we didn't even really notice it when on the landing. It wasn't until uh, we were taxiing into the FBO, and he always kicks it left or right to park it, you know, and swing the tail over to go, you know, perpendicular. Sure. And uh, it didn't want to go anywhere, and he. Um, you know, hit the th- hit the rudder and uh, and gave it some gas, and it still wasn't going anywhere. So he d- he w- wasn't saying anything, but I know he was thinking something in his head. And then he shut shut everything off, and we got out. And he goes, "Oh well, no wonder we're not going anywhere." And the and the tire had basically was half off of the rim. So um, so it's Sunday and Flagstaff at uh, at at the airport, which isn't a very big airport. So there's no services available on Sunday and, and they didn't have the tire and tube in stock to begin with. 
So his uh, his wife uh, drove up to pick us up and bring us back. <laughs> so that's kind of a bummer for her. It's about um, almost a two-hour drive Oof. each way. So we, we had to leave little 8-1 Lima up there um, over the week, and, uh, and it got fixed. Um, and actually – you know, praise to them. They did a a great job at a great price, and he was really afraid he was just going to get shafted for something so simple. Um, he goes, he goes. I wouldn't have been able, I wouldn't have been able to buy the tube and tire any cheaper than they sold it to me for, and um, the greasy mess as it is to to change out a, a tail wheel because you got to split the um, the rim. Um, it's worth the seventy five bucks they charge to replace it. You know, yeah. So he was thrilled with that. So basically, um, the following Saturday, um, I flew him up there in the Archer, and my uh, daughter Madison, who's 14, came along, and so were they were my uh, first passengers who I didn't have to pay to come along with me. So <laughs> <laughs> that was nice. So um, so I got to fly Dean for a change and do all the takeoffs and the landings, and I even demonstrated to him how the uh, how the uh, autopilot worked. And this was kind of funny. We were, I go, let me show you how the autopilot works. Have you ever tried it in this plane? He goes, no, because he's starting to take his instrument and use this plane, but he's only got three flights in so far. Yeah. So I showed him uh, how to how the autopilot works. It's a it's an S Tech 55. It's a real nice autopilot, um, uh, three axis. Um, so, uh, but I only really know how to use, um, you know, the two axis part of it. I haven't figured out how to do the, uh, uh, altitude in it yet, but, uh, I showed him how to do that. And my, ma- my, my daughter, Madison was like, no, no, turn that off. I want you to fly the plane. This scares me. <laughs> you know, I go, watch this. I turn this dial and I turn to the right and I turn this dial and I turn to the left, you know, you just turn the, turn the little heading bug and it just goes whichever direction, you know, your point, you want to point it to. So she thought that was kind of freaky that you know the yoke's moving by itself and and I'm not doing anything with it. So so uh, it was it was a severely clear day, which was nice for visibility, but with that comes a little bit of turbulence. So it was a little bit a little bit bumpy, and I was a little worried about uh, my daughter because she will tend to get car sick. But uh, she did very well. Um, we landed and. Um, and she goes. I'm, I, she was feeling a little bit nauseous, so you know we let her get her legs back under her before we left, and uh, waited for Dean to get his plane uh, fueled up and stuff like that. And um, so, uh, so he goes ahead and takes off, and we get Madison um, situated in the front seat now. And I set up um, my uh, my camera because I want to record the flight with Madison on the way back. And uh, so Dean takes off, and we're still sitting on the ramp, and finally taxi up uh, to get ready to take off. We're behind, I don't know, one or two planes in line. And uh, I figure, man, Dean's you know quite a ways away at this point, but uh, my plane's quite a bit faster than a, a 140. Uh, he can do about 100, 100, 110 knots at best, so I should be able to catch him. So, anyways, we uh, we get ready to take off, and um, you know I've already did the run up and everything. We're we're cruising down the uh, uh, runway, and I'm not liking you know how it feels. It seems like I don't have quite all the all the RPM I'm supposed to. And uh, I abort the takeoff, call the tower, and and said Flagstaff Tower, uh, Archer for Mike Alpha. I'm uh, aborting the takeoff and getting off on Alpha Four over here. And he says. He's, and I told Mattis, I said, don't worry, everything's going to be fine. I go, I, I just want to check some things out. 
And um, and he asked me if I need any help. Of course, I said no. I said I think I'm fine, and I just want to check some things. And then it dawned on me. I'm at, I'm now at seven thousand feet. So of course I'm not going to get all the uh, all the perf- big difference. all the performance out of the plane as I was when I was in Phoenix at fourteen hundred feet. Right. Right. So I uh, I re lean out. Uh, lean out to get more uh more horsepower you know you full throttle and you can uh lean it to max rpm so i did that and we took off just normal and and um and everything was cool we uh headed on our way back to uh phoenix and after i got out of uh flagstaff's airspace i turned over to um a frequency dean and i are going to talk to each other on we just we just tune our tune our radios to one two three four five and um and talk to each other. So I, I called up Dean. I said, "Hey, Dean, it's Chris. Are you there?" And he goes, "Yeah, I'm here." He goes, "I heard, uh, I heard you abort your takeoff. I was right about to uh, um, Sedona, so I started circling just in case I needed to come back for you." <laughs> so <laughs> that was real nice of him. Um, yeah, he, he, go, he goes, "Least I could do would be to come back and get you and not leave you stranded up there, you know, since you brought me back for my plane." But but wouldn't your daughter be stranded? Yeah, yeah, probably because I don't think uh, Cessna 140s sit three people very well. She's small, but not that small. <laughs> so we start heading that way, and we got a kicking tailwheel. I mean, at, at tail not tailwheel, a tailwind. Um, at one point in the Archer, I was doing 146 knots indicated. Nice. We were cruising. Um, so we were no was that no that's a 146 knots uh, ground speed sorry on the ground yeah yeah, yeah. so about 161 miles an hour uh, roughly so I we uh, we did catch up to Dean believe it or not after he was already I don't know 35 40 miles ahead of us <laughs> but I finally did catch him right at the time that we both entered the pattern. So and and that got real dicey because we both entered the pattern right behind each other in the middle middle of Deer Valley, which is already you know a very very busy airport. And um, man, uh, Dean Dean got in uh, to the pattern, and then this uh, controller was really all over the guy who was behind Dean. Um, uh, basically, the guy was guy was like uh, telling the. Um, controller that uh he was just going to do a 360 because he, he he told the tower he goes i'm a quarter mile behind the cessna i need some spacing because he i think he was a seminal uh if i remember right so obviously he can't slow down to, to the speed of the uh the cessna um and and the and the tower was like no follow the follow the cessna blah 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 he goes i'm a quarter mile away i'm turning around you know and so uh then i ended up being behind dean and that guy ended up being behind me um and uh everything everything landed uneventfully thank fuck thank god and we all made it back home safe and and it was a a real good experience for madison i let her fly on the way back she flew it for about a half an hour um and so she really enjoyed that I I kept telling her, which was kind of funny. I was like, "Okay, try and keep on this heading." I was I was showing her the the HSI, you know, and I was like, "Try and you know keep it there." So then I see her, and she's just staring at the gauges while she's flying. So it looks like she's flying <laughs> IFR, you know. I'm like, "No, no, you can look out the window. Just point towards you know what's directly in front of you. Like pick that peak of that mountain or whatever." And she goes, "Oh, okay." So um, so she she really enjoyed it. I it's not something that 
she said she wants to like learn to do or anything, but um, she didn't enjoy having having uh, control of it though. So that's about it. So that's uh, that's my uh, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it, I guess. <laughs> well done. Thank you. Thank you. Brad, you. You know, I was gonna. Yeah. I was gonna say before you before you switch on. Um, I actually had a situation like that happen too, where I actually had a seminal coming out, and he was about. By the time I was turning from crosswind to downwind, he he announced that he was three miles out, and we just let him basically pass us on the right hand side. Mm. And because you know I'm in the archer and I'm doing all of a whopping eighty knots, and he goes right by us and you know we we you know we had told him hey it's fine go ahead you know you're a lot faster than we are but uh i'm surprised that the tower i mean i know they're a lot tighter but i'm surprised they didn't have him do something like that or let him do his 360 Mm -hmm. yeah i don't know what the what the big problem was it's just you know how the the tower really wants to control that airspace you know but at the end of the day pilots in command so it's it's your safety you know that you got to uh, be responsible for and the safety of the of your passengers. So, uh, if you think you're too close, you're too close. Yeah. So he, he, I think he probably did the wise thing, whether or not the uh, tower uh, agreed with it or not. You know. Yeah, and the worst that happens to you in that situation is you have to write a letter. Mm-hmm. Of of what of why you um, uh, disobeyed a. Um, uh, yeah. A why, why you varied? Why you varied from your clearance? Yeah. So, yeah, it was um, it was a uh, real. B- a matter of fact, when I I called in and he told me to uh, report, uh, I don't know, two miles or something like that from basically entering the downwind, and it, it was I couldn't get a word in edgewise. Um, though Dean and uh, and the uh, uh, the Seminole behind him and the and the tower, you know, just was chewing up all the all the airtime on the radio because you know he was telling the telling the Cessna he goes continue downwind and Dean says that's what I'm doing you know um, there was no time for me to even break in and basically next time I called him I told him I was a beam of the tower so I was afraid I was going to get chewed out for getting in there but uh, you know we've established two-way communication I guess and he did expect me to get into the pattern but I did never have a chance to tell him I was you know, two miles out or whatever. Well, you're in Delta, yeah. right? Well, he doesn't control you in the air anyway, necessarily. I mean, his job is controlling people on the ground. So once you establish two-way communications, I mean, realistically, you can essentially do whatever you want, right? In the air. In the pattern? Yeah, because they're not, it's not controlled airspace. It's it's controlled on the ground, in a way, is basically what they're doing. Well, uh, they're still... They're still there for spacing and stuff to, you know, keep you yeah, guys they apart control, in the air. They control access to the runways. They control the delta. I mean, that's my understanding of it, at least. Yes, but they're not. They're not in no way. They don't have to space you in the air. They don't have to con- basically. You know, they don't have to do that in the air. They just need to get you on the ground in spacing that prevents collisions on the ground. Because isn't that the main difference between yeah, I, Charlie I, and Delta? Is that Charlie is actually controlled airspace. Where they actually separate you in the air. That's how I understood it. I, uh, now that you mentioned, I, I, I think I, I get what you're saying, I, and I, and I think you're even right. Um, but uh, 
I don't know. It's it's. I don't know if it just doesn't seem the case because that airspace is so stinking busy. You know, it's the it's the busiest general aviation airport in the country, and it is live and popping from you know before sun up to after sundown. Um, and there's you know there's planes in the air on uh, in the air going on both runways all day all night pretty much. Um, and I think uh, starting at the beginning of the year, uh, they're they're going to be open till midnight. Uh, they're open to nine o'clock right now, but uh, they're going to have uh, controllers there till yeah. midnight. I mean, they do have to do. I mean, obviously, they do sequence you in the air and and do all of that basically to get you on the ground safely and in order. But just from a far standpoint, they're not actually doing anything necessarily for you in the air. Mm-hmm. So speaking of in the air, John, you haven't. Uh, you say you haven't been up, unfortunately. No, you've been real busy. I know between before. moving and um, this basically new job, and um, then I'm I'm working on a I'm coding. I'm actually coding right now for a uh, uh, <laughs> uh, an election. Um, I help out with this open source election software, and uh, we have an election next week. So I've been busy with that, and yeah. So next week I'll finally you've have been, some time. You've You've been put in charge of fixing the Florida electronic uh, vote casting or ballot casting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure. Hanging Chad too. Um, we actually had a, our print server was named Hanging Chad in the in the lab. Um, mm. It's a cool project, but yeah, I've been really busy with that and 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 the the, the moving jobs and and house. So oh, it's good to be busy. Well, I'm uh, I'm. Uh, happy for you for your new job sounds like you like it yeah um uh my my hope is that once i start seeing paychecks from this job i'll actually be able to fly more so um we'll see how that goes <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah you guys know i i started a new, a new job a couple months ago um as the i took a position as the director of it for uh, my church and so i quit IBM. I'd been at IBM for about eight, eight years, so it's kind of a a big step, and it, it just kind of came at the right time. Um, it was kind of funny, is that a guy who uh, who was the network administrator of, of the church um, quit like a year and a half ago, and he had told me that he had recommended me to his boss to take his position, but they never did anything. Um, they just kind of did without him, you know, how you, uh, trying to do more with less, you know how that goes. Um, so they had a contractor who, who they paid, you know, to work like four hours a week, and then he volunteered four hours a week too. Um, they had him for a long time, and then they decided that they did want someone full-time. And what was funny is that uh, a year and a half ago, if they had asked me, I would have turned down the job because – I had just started to get to work from home at IBM, and it was a new. Uh, I went to. I was doing a new job, so it was still interesting to me because it was new. Um, but that newness wore off, and I found myself being very bored from day to day. And so, you know, this position uh, presented itself at just the right time. So, I uh, I jumped on it, and I'm I'm really you know enjoying it. Other than I've been fighting a battle with this stupid firewall for a week now. But uh, 
overall, it's uh, it's fun to work on new things finally and get back into the networking side of things, which I, I have a little more experience in and I enjoy versus comparing spreadsheets from one to another all day long. <laughs> but what's not to love? So, Mark, you got to take a nice ride, uh, long distance uh, uh, cross country in a in a nice Cirrus, huh? Crickets. Mark. Chirp, chirp. Yeah. Hey, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I, I muted it because my daughter was in here making noise, and I was like, uh So, surprise. Surprise. Her. Yeah, I did. Uh, September 30th, I got to go. Uh, a, a buddy of mine called me a couple days prior, and he's like, hey, what are you doing uh, Saturday? Uh, nothing much. Hey, you want to help me uh, install some software on my, my in-law's computer? And I'm like, sure, I can do that. Uh, he goes, um, it, it, I'm going to need more than just a couple hours. I'm like, uh, okay, I really – I, I I can make time for you. It's not a problem. And he goes, well, it's in Long Beach. I'm like, okay. And, and for those of you who don't remember where I'm at, I'm outside of Sacramento. So from Sacramento to Long Beach, it's about uh, 350 miles. So uh, I'm like, so we're going to take the Cirrus down to Long Beach? He's like, yeah. You up for that? I'm like, what time do we leave? Done. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so, yeah, we left We left here about uh, 6 a.m. on uh, – Saturday morning and got down there. Beautiful weather, beautiful sunset. Uh, just flying down the Sacramento Valley on the east side, and uh, full IFR flight plan, which was really nice. Um, when you're when you're routed IFR, it, it makes your trip so much easier, um, especially once you get down into the LA basin. But uh, yeah, we were we were being handled by all the controllers the entire time and. Uh, uh, it was e- eventless for the most part because we were just following the magenta line, but uh, but yeah, mm-hmm. once we got down into um, uh, down to the L.A. basin, it got a little exciting uh, just because of traffic down there. But uh, it was probably one of the most clear days I've ever seen in the in the down in the basin. We came over the 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 mountain ridge right there and. You would swear that we had just had a storm come through and blow all the garbage out of the air because there there was barely any smog and we descended right down into into Long Beach and it was it was a beautiful day. Um, so yeah, we uh, so his his sister in law picked us up. I went over and we did a, a simple Windows Seven install and spent a few hours there. They bought us lunch and uh, uh, we we went right back over to the FBO. But what's funny when we we got to the FBO down in Long Beach. We come pulling up into the – you expect an FBO. It's a whole bunch of you know little GA planes. No, we ended up parking in between a Gulfstream, a, um, a King Air. It was us in the Cirrus and then a um, – oh, God, uh, another Gulfstream. And then directly across the runway from us is where they build the C-17s. Oh, all, all the, the pretty, pretty planes. planes, and we're walking through the hangar. It's funny. It's I felt I felt very out of place. Um, we walked into their into the FBO's hangar. The floors were polished, mm-hmm. and there was two more Gulf Streams <laughs> inside the hangar. And I was like, I I, I don't think I belong here. <laughs> this is this is I'm not the, worthy. I, yeah, this I'm is not. not this is not the people that I hang out with, you know. I, I fly an archer. I don't fly nice. with Gulf Streams, you know. But uh, yeah, it was a really good day. Um, 
Did you get any? Uh, get I any did get to fly a little it? bit. Uh, I actually tried to do the the takeoff in the morning. Um, the one thing that I wasn't aware of for this for the series is that it's um, differential braking for steering. Mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. And he he warned me. He goes, okay, the differential braking until you get up to about forty knots, and you're going to get some effectiveness on the rudder, and you know, and then you you know have authority that way. Um, so it was a little. You know, I, I'm looking for rudder pedal. I mean, I'm looking for for you know steering with the pedals. That I'm, I'm. It was a little bit backwards thinking for me. Um, but yeah, it took off took off fine. And then we once we got up to uh, to altitude, he contacted NorCal Approach and got a got our uh, our IFR plan started. And he dialed it. He had already had it all dialed into the into the pair of four thirties, and uh, it was okay. Yeah, have a yep. And he was it was cleared to go and blip, you know and punched it in and off we went but uh <clears throat> coming out of so how was it flying that you side know what stick thing? I, I i didn't expect it to be as sensitive as it was i mean you you literally it's kind of like not that i've got stick time you didn't have to arm wrestle not it at back all. and forth you know i was gonna say not that i've got stick time in an f-16 uh like some other podcasters however it was very mm-hmm. it was very uh nimble you know i didn't have to hardly move it at all and you think about you know a bank to the right, and it was you were doing a bank to the right or bank to the left, and um, I as we were coming back over the ridge, uh, we were probably at about uh, eleven thousand feet heading north uh, on the coast side of California, uh, heading back into the valley. Um, I was hand flying it, and he goes, "Okay, just don't bust my altitude. Keep me between you know this hundred feet." I'm like, "It was fine until we we hit." A lot of turbulence, and I'm fighting to kind of go. Okay, keep it here, keep it here, and he's watching me. And all of a sudden, it just goes. It just dropped like 80 feet, and he's like, "Okay, let me go ahead and take." Oh, I'll go ahead and take it. I'm like, I wasn't nervous or anything. It was just, he's like, "We're gonna get a call here in a second. And 15 seconds later, uh, SoCal approach uh, or SoCal departure calls us up. Uh, Cirrus, what's your intentions? Where are you heading to? You know, <laughs> usually, well, usually they'll say say altitude. Yeah, it was. We were <laughs> right at the point where we were going to get a handoff anyway, and uh, we wanted to go direct. Well, we were going to go to one location. He goes, "How about we just send you direct here?" Which took us probably two waypoints out of our uh, out of our 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 course, and which made it faster for us. Uh, and he goes, "Oh, that's cool. Thanks. You know, and, oh, we'll, we'll we'll make that change and." be on our way and uh so you just change it in the garden yeah, you basically can go through and he can delete a couple of waypoints and just steer in whatever the next one is and yep. pfft, uh, you know you, your little magenta line changes and off you go um yeah. one of the things that i was going to say is we were he filed and got it and he says sometimes you'll file this one uh, departure out of long beach and you don't always get it and it was the uh, anaheim three departure and if if you look it up you can see it takes you directly over lax and uh, oh, it, oh. again, on a clear day, and it was probably we left. I want to say, so this was one o'clock in the afternoon. Right? Yeah, so it wasn't quite. It was still in the oh, m- okay. midday, midday on a Saturday. So the traffic wasn't too bad, but but yeah, we we he filed for it and he got it. And we did the Anaheim three departure out of Long Beach, and it took us directly over. We went up the coast for a little bit, uh, Santa Monica, and all that stuff where you, you know all the celebrities are, and then we. You know, headed our car, our course back into the valley, um, but it was gorgeous. It was gorgeous. Some of the stuff we saw, you know, you're flying over and there's just 
big bird after big bird after big bird coming in and you know i'm looking down and i can identify what carrier was landing and taking off so it was pretty cool so what altitude were you over top of lax uh we at that time i think we were probably 2500 maybe 3000 feet so um so i you know i've transitioned phoenix quite a bit and so when you transition there bravo now i haven't done it when i'm on an ifr so um how does it take us through how to, how that works i'm sure you, I, I guess you probably don't contact uh lax and request to transition the bravo because you've got a flight plan so how how do you, Correct. You've got an IFR flight plan, you, and you're, you're looking at. I'm gonna actually pull up four flight because I think I still have it in my. Because we, um, we have corridors, you know, on either side of the runway right. that we're that we are told, okay, um, you know, fly at or at or above four thousand five hundred feet. Um, Correct. Now that's for that's for VFR. So when you they know you're VFR traffic and you're not you're not instrument rated. Um, so are you? But when, when are you at the ends of the runway, or are you flying over the top of it, or? We were right over the top. Yeah. Uh, um, I, I would say if, if we were probably maybe a quarter mile west of the tower, and uh, but I think I think that's a, that's a known IFR route, uh, IFR route. So you know they know that the traffic's going to be right there. And there was only one t- when we took off out of Long Beach. They said um, climb and maintain, and it was uh, the eight hundred feet or something like that to hold us at a certain altitude. They said, okay, now turn heading. Um, Whatever it happened to be, which which took us directly over LX, said okay, now uh, rem- uh, continue to climb out, um, and I think it said twenty five hundred feet or three thousand feet. I'm not sure what it was, but we were we were basically climbing over LAX and up the coastline, and eventually we got up to I, I want to say probably nine thousand, and then they cleared us. It's different, you know. The altitudes are like you know our VFR altitudes that we're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's different with an IFR plan. It's you know because they've got complete vision of all the traffic. Yeah, yeah. Um, they'll tell you, you know. And I'm thinking it was weird flying at some of these altitudes they were telling us, but that's where they wanted us for separation. Mm-hmm. Um, so we we cruised out, and once we were north of the north of the, of the LA Basin area, there they're like, okay, continue to climb out on your uh, S filed, and. Uh, you know, uh, what was it? Uh, resumo navigation based on your flight plan. Yeah. And, uh, so that's what we did. And then, you know, once we got back into the, into the Valley of, you know, if anybody's come down I five, you hit the grapevine, we were just crossing the grapevine. It's a, you know, the big mountain range right there North of the LA Valley, uh, LA basin rather. Um, once we got ab- above there, then it was, became a pretty quiet, pretty boring, uh, flight. We did have one little bit of uh, excitement. If you're familiar with the California Valley, we have Lemoore Naval Air Station, big naval training base. This is where a lot of, uh, if you learning how to fly the F-18 or the 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 Super Hornet, um, this is where you're going to get your training. And there's actually five MOAs right there, oh. but they're all together right there on top of Lemoore. And uh, so we're cruising to the west of Lemoore. Uh, as we're supposed to, and then we get this call, uh, 749er Papa Golf, uh, traffic 12 o'clock, 1,000 feet above uh, DC-10. We're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what it was was there was a FedEx uh, DC-10 that was at Lemoore that had dropped off some cargo, and they had taken off, and they were actually looping around 
they basically had a southbound departure, but were climbing out, did a 360 climb out, and then it put them right on the Victor airway. And it was literally, we're looking up, going, hi. Yeah. Is it, is it, Thousand feet above us, going wow. That's not something you see every day. <laughs> that's a big airplane. <laughs> that was a big airplane. Um, you know, then once we got farther north, uh, uh, everything was was pretty eventless. After that, uh, we got to fly over my house. Uh, did a three sixty over the house. Saw my my wife and kids, and <laughs> landed, landed pretty quick after that. So, but it was a really good day. It was so clear. Uh, didn't have a lot of turbulence at all, which was which was nice in some of the areas you'd expect it to. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really doesn't affect me much anymore. You know, like early on in training, you start getting bounced around. You're you know starting to white knuckle it. Yeah. You know, we hit, we hit turbulence, and I'm just like, all right, we're all along for the ride. There's nothing you can really do about it. You know. So, uh, but yeah, it was a great day. Um, I did get to hit you know hand fly it a little bit, um, but for the most part, because we were on an IFR plan, we um, we were just following the magenta line. Did he auto but, uh, it was not, autopilot it or? Yeah, that's that's what it. He had the through the Avidine. It was yeah. It was all on autopilot. Cool. I'd say I would say probably ninety percent of the flight was was autopilot. So I was I was giving my buddy Keith a hard time. I'm like you're you're more of a uh, resource manager instead <laughs> of a pilot. <laughs> he just kind of looks at me and goes, "Shut up." <laughs> System managers, yes. Exactly. <laughs> But uh, you know it was nice to be in the air. Um, I I kind of I miss it a lot. You know, luckily I can say that my my business that pays for the flying is, is finally starting to pick up. So hopefully I'll be able to uh, get that last ten or twelve hours done and you know get it done. That way I can go fly on my own when I want to fly. Yes, that sounds good. I can't wait to get. <laughs> Hear you back in the plane and check right. Yeah, and, and just you know, and now you got the uh, the camera, you got your camera. Yeah, and uh, so get to see some uh, flying videos from you. Yeah, yeah, I can't wait. It's funny we, as you were talking. I I was actually on uh, Runway Finder, plotting. You know, how, if I was to fly down to Deer Valley, how would I go? And I was actually plotting the course. <laughs> I was like, that's a long flight. It but would be. It'd be fun. Where where could we meet? Could you uh maybe we could meet in, ha- in Lake Havasu sometime? You, you know what? That was one of the things. I was actually my my fuel stop would have to be around Victorville, which is uh is either Victorville or Bishop or um yeah I think I think Bishop is the big what is this one here Palm Springs mm-hmm. is a, is the direct flight from you. So between there's a couple of you got to make some some turns because you got to miss Edwards and you've got to miss 29 Palms and you know yeah yeah so yeah but but I, I was thinking that you know once once I finally done then yeah we could actually hook up down here somewhere that would be good let's see how about Brad you've been uh, you've been flying lots of uh, IFR training and and been been getting in some uh, real IMC right yeah I've been trying to you know it's funny you guys are talking about the the Bravo transitions and all of that stuff, and and sort of the dirty little secret about flying IFR is that none of that stuff applies anymore. Yeah, you don't you don't ever worry about airspace, ever. <laughs> you you go where they vector you, and wherever they vector you, it's okay to go there. Mm-hmm. You, you know, it's funny. I was talking to uh, to Mark Pollard about that. Um, I don't know, it's two three months ago now, and he said that that he prefers flying IFR just because it's. You need to start here. You need to end there, and as long as you're in contact, yeah, none of the airspace applies. 
So, because they're going to tell you where you need to be. I yep. I like that to be honest with you, and that's why I like I like uh, you know getting flight following and and just all of that stuff because um, it makes me feel like I'm not alone up here, and and I'm and um, someone else is out there looking out for me too, you know. And it, it keep it will kind of keep you out of trouble, you know. Yeah, the, there's a price that you pay, which is you have to go where they tell you to go and stay, you know, stay on that course um, within very tight tolerances. But you know, the flight planning is relatively straightforward um, because, yeah, you just say this is where I'm going and get me there. And if, if especially if you stay in radar contact, life is pretty good. You, you know, it's it's funny. I was I was after taking this flight with uh, with Keith, and seeing how easy it was, or easier. I mean, again, you got the tighter tolerances, but you learn to fly that way. Um, since they made the change in the regs that you can actually do concurrent private and IFR training, mm-hmm. I, I was seriously thinking about doing that. I mean, if I'm going to keep flying, uh, you know, I'm going to keep flying anyway. Um, I might as well, if I can do my IFR or learn IFR while I'm doing my private legally do that now um why not do that why not become a better pilot at the end of the road mm-hmm. yeah yeah you know yeah and the and the by the way the instrument time that you accrue during during your private applies towards your instrument yeah right uh so if you want to do more than what's necessary you know that's that's all fine um and that and i think that that's pretty much the 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 difference is I think the only way that you can do the concurrent stuff is through a, a 141 school. I, I think so. And mine, and mine actually is a 141 school. So okay. I, I'm seriously going to look into it. Uh, I mean, I know it's going to be another, you know, probably another couple thousand dollars on top of what I'm doing. But you know what? I, I'm already in school and I'm, I'm already paying that instructor. So why not? Why not do them both? You know, I, I have to talk to them to see if it's even a realistic thing to look at. But they have to have an approved syllabus and all that kind yeah. of stuff. I mean, there's a lot that goes into it, but but yeah, I you know it it, it was something that I was looking at when I started my private. Um, they were just talking about how yeah, you know we're we're going to be able to do this uh, concurrent training, and I thought well that'd be great, um, uh, but it it just didn't work out. That the timing wasn't there. Gotcha. Yeah, that's uh, that's nice, and a lot of that, a lot of this um, other stuff like. For your commercial, like uh, any of your um, PIC time uh, that you do before that will uh, apply, so you don't have to pay for that twice. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And like my cross-country time, even the cross-countries, solo cross-countries that I did during my private count toward the cross-country requirement that I have to have for my instrument. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so it's not like, you know, at least you don't have to pay for something twice that way, which is, you know, I I think they realized, you know, it, it, it it's the same thing and, you know, it's already way expensive to get your pilot's license. What can we do to, you know, make things a little uh, more affordable and, and, and make a little bit more sense? And that was a good choice. Yeah, and I think it's, it's especially good for the folks who are intending to go into the airlines as a career. Mm-hmm. You know, just pick it off. And get your instrument at the same time, and then it, essentially, I think what you get out of that is you don't have the fifty-hour cross-country rule. Uh, is probably the, the I'm sorry, fifty-hour PIC, uh, fifty-hour PIC cross-country rule. Oh yeah. Um, 
which is a big part. It used to be 250 hours uh, way back in the day. And then they lower, they've lowered it to 50 hours, but then if you do it simultaneously, I think you're exempt from that requirement. Uh. Yeah, but the only um, question I have there is if you are going on and getting your commercial, you're going to have to fly that time anyway. Because you need, what, 250 to get your commercial, don't you know? It's either 200 or 250 yeah. It's a bunch. So I don't necessarily know if that really helps any of the um, career people. Well, you can get that a lot safer and a lot faster if you have an instrument rating. True, true. So there's there's just more days that you can go fly, uh, and and your it make it does it makes you a better pilot. I mean, you just oh yeah, I don't I don't disagree with that at all. Yeah, yeah it it's a good thing to have. Um, it it also makes it the whole I want to go somewhere with an airplane and and have a fairly reliable schedule. Um, it makes that possible. You know, okay. I was I was worried if I flew anywhere a long ways away for a weekend, am I going to be able to get back? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or am I going to be stranded here for days and days and days while I'm waiting for weather to clear? Mm-hmm. And uh, you know I, I can still get stranded from weather, but it's generally going to be a lot shorter period of time. So uh, how much more do you think you have to go there uh, for your license? Okay. I passed I passed the halfway to forty, uh, assuming I can. I can get it done in something close to 40 hours. I've got 17 hours to go. Cool. Because you're moving right through it, really, it feels like. Well, not as fast as I did my private. I did my whole private 40 hours in about three months. (laughs) Wow. And uh, and I was grinding pretty hard at it. But this life kind of has gotten in the way, and and, uh, so it's just taken me more clock time. Uh, slowly getting better at the procedures. The procedures are really the harder parts of it. Um, You were talking about uh, uh, standard instrument departure, a SID departure out of Long Beach, uh, Mm -hmm. Mark. And that's, um, you know, one of the things that that comes along with with flying IFR is there's, because everybody's under control of air traffic control, and especially in a busy airspace like around – the LA basin, they'll have just standard routes that they'll want you to fly. And so the the Anaheim three departure is a standard instrument departure and you have to know what those are and know how to read them and know if you can accept it or not. Um, Most of the SIDS that occur around Minneapolis, St. Paul, and actually even I'm looking at the Anaheim three one, it very quickly gets to a fairly high altitude. Uh, A lot of the SIDS and especially the, SIDS are standard instrument departure to get out of the airport. There's a equivalent to get into the airport area, which is called a STAR, a standard terminal arrival route. And those are very, at least around here, they're very geared towards the airlines. So they're going to have, they'll start at 18,000 feet and bring you down from there. Uh, and they'll be, you know, you'll be at 18,000 feet, 250 miles away from the airport. And it's like, yeah, I'm not going to be there. <laughs> <It might. laughs> I'll, I'll talk to you when I'm 15 out. <laughs> you know, it's just not going to be not going to be something I'm going to need to worry about. Sure, and I'm sure for like uh, in the LA Basin, the, the SID is such that um, th- they're they're going to look for a 2,000 foot per minute climb out too to to get you up and out of the way. Um, no, they it's a thousand foot per minute climb. 
uh, it generally. There are some funny rules, though, especially around uh, places that have big rocks sticking up out of the ground, yeah. where they'll give you – you have to be able to maintain – like I'm looking actually at the, the Anaheim 3 departure. Uh, if you're taking off out of 16 left or 16 right, if you're taking off out of 16 right, you have to be climbing a minimum of 507 feet per nautical mile. Uh, so that you can clear whatever is sticking up off the end of 16 right. <laughs> right. Uh, and they and those are a really big deal and when you get into like Cody, Wyoming and places like that where the you're in a valley surrounded by mountains and you're flying IFR so you can't see the mountain to avoid it. Um, they'll say, you know, you fly this heading and you have to maintain this climb rate or you're not going to make it. Uh, so you have to do all the calculations of, you know, hey, it's four o'clock in the afternoon in the middle of July, and <laughs> am I going to be able to? Am I gonna the altitude is really high, and <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there's some more headwork that goes into it. Sure. Uh, whereas if you flew out of their VFR and you're flying out of big rocks sticking up out of the ground, you would just turn, and you don't, <laughs> you don't have that option because you can't see yeah. the big rock. <laughs> now a whole new set of. Uh... Uh, terminology that you're using now too. Yeah, it's it's a it's there are new charts um, that look very funny at first, and uh, new terms and and new sets of things to worry about that are just on top of your VFR stuff. Uh, so, you know, there there's a fair amount of headwork that goes into it, and trying to keep all of this stuff straight when you're motoring along, uh, you know, in the clouds with, and you're like, boy, I hope I'm not going to run into anything or do something stupid. You know the the good news is though that you won't see whatever it is that you're about to run into. <laughs> <laughs> How is that good news? Uh, well, you you know I you guess. don't have that. You don't period. have that stress. <laughs> yeah, you don't have that period of oh no. Yeah. <laughs> you know you know what's funny though you're talking about the different terminology. Um, my second dual cross country, we were actually coming back. We had gone out, we were on our way back in, and we were trying to talk to Oakland Approach. And, and even though we were not even anywhere near uh, Oakland, or actually it's Oakland Center, um, it just happened to be their airspace they control. Um, here I am, you know, student pilot VFR, barely trying to talk to her, and she's just like ignoring me. <laughs> and, and, exactly. And really, I mean, it was like, okay, I know you're there. Shut up. I don't want to talk to you because you're just, you know, student pilot and you're fine. You're not near anybody. Um, but my my instructor was like, okay, she's ignoring you. He goes, here, let me show you something. And he popped on, same exact, you know, tail number and everything. But he spoke as an instrument pilot. She popped right on and said, da 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 da, take a heading of this way. And, you know, it, it was like, it was. A whole different level of, of communication, hmm. and and when he did when he did he did instrument speak, it was oh this is this is somebody that I need to talk to, mm-hmm. you know, and it wasn't I mean it, it it was literally something as simple as I think he threw out a couple of um, of uh, intersection points right you know, and as soon as he said those names he, this is where we're at uh, intersection such and such, she knew that he was an instrument pilot and okay I need to talk to him and get him vectored somewhere. You know, and and but you know, Joe, student pilot, eh, just butts around out there for a while. I'll get back to you. <laughs> <laughs> and that's and that's very true. Um, it, it once it, it it's big on phraseology because this the you, you get into these busy airspaces and the frequencies are so congested that if you can't go quickly, um, I've heard about guys who were 
you know, several hundred hour VFR pilots trying to fly into Chicago, and they just told them to go away. <laughs> that, that you don't even approach too. the airport. You, you're not gonna you're not gonna come in today because you, you're gonna screw it up for everybody. <laughs> Luckily, uh, they're they're fairly nice around DC, except for this big F-16s. No. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, I think they realize that it's a bunch of BS anyway, so they're really nice about it. <laughs> But I've never had any issues as as a student pilot out here. Like I'd stumble in all over the place, and so far I haven't, you know, they haven't ignored me or been so mean at all. They've been really good. So have you got that uh, SFRA special flight training? rules area? Yes. Yeah. So I started my I started my training in in the SFRA. My first thirteen hours was in the SFRA. That's what I thought. I never even left it. Okay, that's what I th- I I tried to remember that. I'm like, I think you flew a lot in there, didn't you? Yeah. 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 So, and and here's the weird thing too is when you think about it. I mean, I'm out there doing my primary training in the SFRA. I'm out there doing stalls. I'm doing steep turns and all that. Um, it's really not that bad. It's just the fact that you're forced to talking to somebody. So it's, it's kind of like instead of having optional um, uh, flight following, you're kind of forced to do it. Mm-hmm. And that's really the only difference. I, I, and the biggest pain is honestly the fact that I have to call twice on the ground. I have to call once to get my my flight brief, which I get anyway, and to file the SFRA flight plan. No big deal. But then you have to call again right before you go up to get your your transponder code, and and that's kind of the the biggest hassle I think with the whole thing. And there's a they have a special section of codes just for the SFRA, I believe. From what I probably I, I, a separate range. Well, yeah, it was just like like versus just any other you know VFR transponder code or whatever for other pilots. You know, if, if I just heard this on another podcast that. Uh, they said that there's a specially assigned set of uh, um, codes just for the SFRA, I guess. And maybe that's just so when you're up in the air and you're squawking a certain, you know, a certain code or whatever, they know, they know, you know, where you're coming from, where you're going um, in relation to the SFRA, yeah. I guess. Yeah, and they also have um, on on. You know, there's some sort of test you got to take and and training or something for it. Is that right for the SFRA? Um, for the freeze, is that right, or is it? For well, the okay, so I'll maybe I'll maybe, um, maybe I'm getting something. First confused. of all, first of all, they have actually separate controllers on during busy times um, for VFR traffic in the SFRA. So um, when there's a lot of people around, you're kind of on a separate frequency and with like a specific controller. Um, which does help them a little bit. So they kind of separate the SFRA from the IFR traffic, I think. Um, but as far as the actual, what you have to do um, within 60 miles of the, the, um, the DCA VOR, um, you have to go on the fast website and take a quick training. It's like a 30 minute power. It's essentially a PowerPoint presentation that just describes, here's the intercept procedures. Here's what you need to know. Here's what you have to do. And then at the end of that, when you're done, I think, I don't know if there's like a short quiz or not. I don't remember. Um, and then you just get a little printout that says, I took the SFRA training. And you just keep that with you. And that's all you need to get in the SFRA. Is there um, is there a sticker for your plane too? No. Yeah, it's, it's just... It's the pilot. Hmm. Yeah. 
the pilot just and it's literally you just print it out on your printer and I just taped it to the back of my logbook and that's it. Um, the other the the freeze, however, is significantly different. You actually have to um, go get a background check, fingerprints, a bunch of other stuff. I think you have to drive to like one location to be able to do it. And um, once you get all of that done and your background check, I think, passes, then you get your own special like pilot ID code that I think is used in conjunction with an SFRA transponder code and a whole bunch of other stuff. I'm not even going to bother with any of that. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's what I was thinking of in my head then, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah. The freeze is the thing that just nobody, a lot of people just don't even bother with. And it kind of sucks because there are three airports that are inside the freeze that are GA airports. Um, College Park being the oldest airport, I believe, in America is one of them. Um, So it kind of sucks for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I guess for, uh, like, if I wanted to uh, fly, like, I wouldn't even be allowed to land there, right? Having not um, passed or taken the the training for it or whatever. In in where? Where you were just in talking the, about the Cifra or the free? Well, either one. Yeah, yeah. You wouldn't be well, able to come in. Legally. Yeah, you wouldn't be able to go in the SFRA, but that's the easier one. You would be able to get into that if you just took thirty minutes online. Mm-hmm. If you knew ahead of time you were supposed to take that. <laughs> I, uh, well, yeah, but well, I mean, they um, whenever you call flight flight service to get um to get your briefing. Mm-hmm. Even if you're not going in the SFRA, the fact that you're flying within 60 miles means that they have to ask you if you actually took that course. Oh, yeah. 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 So every time I call up, they're like, are you familiar with the special flight rules area, effective December, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Um, I have to be like, yeah, I know. <laughs> I got it. So, <laughs> so. Um, it's really not that bad as long as you stay away from the freeze. And as long as you do that, you're, you're pretty good. It's not too bad. You get used to talking to people. Good deal. So, well, I think that uh, probably catches us up. Catches us up, I guess, is the word I was trying to say. Yeah, we need to start flying more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, during all of my flight training, I had money in my pocket to go fly all the time. I had lots of side work, and now that I got my license, I haven't had hardly any side work, and I haven't been able to go fly. I'm like kind of bummed. Like, like. I'm like looking around the house. What could I sell on eBay? <laughs> Join a flying club. Yeah, yeah. I'm working on it. I'm really trying to. It'll. We'll see how it goes with the with the job and all that. So. Join a flying flying club, but then you actually have to fly because flying clubs, as it turns out, are a lot like um, health clubs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they rely on a certain percentage of the people just paying in every month. That don't ever go. Mm-hmm. That don't use it. Yeah. yeah. Don't be one of those. No. No. I don't plan it on it. I figured out a whole budget for 30 or 40 hours a year. So <laughs> I can do it for, for about 3000 a year, 8000 the first year. So it's probably not going to be any time in the next two years. But, you know, we'll see. I can hope. Mm-hmm. It'll come. Yeah. The members of the In the Pattern podcast are participating as private individuals. Their comments do not necessarily reflect the views of the various organizations they work with, the instructors they learn from, or the flight schools they attend. Remember, these guys are student pilots, so anything you hear on this podcast that sounds like advice on an aircraft operation is obviously from the perspective of student pilot. 
You should always consider your own situation, consult your instructor, remember your training, and fly the airplane. Cleared for the option. So, I guess as we're, we're wrapping up here, anybody have any quick shout-outs? Let's wrap it up. Um, I think I have. I, uh, I didn't prepare real, prepare, did I prepare real well for uh, some shout-outs, so I can't really think of any off the top of my head, although I know I'm, I was probably meaning to, uh, to shout-out to somebody. I know I, uh, I meant to um, – oh, I missed uh, Copper State. Uh, which is which was an aviation fly-in down here in uh, in in Phoenix um, last weekend, I believe it was. Might have been the weekend before. No, it was last weekend. Yeah, and um, I had, in, ended up um, had to go to uh, our daughter's um, swim meets instead. So, uh, which was kind of a bummer because I missed out on on uh, seeing a few guys again, like uh, Bill Will and and. Um, um, Mike Daniels and uh, Ten Dancer, you know those guys are all going to be uh, um, over there, which would have been cool to see them. But uh, unfortunately, it happened on a on a busy weekend where I had other things going on, so I couldn't make it. But uh, maybe uh, maybe next time, and of course, hopefully, we can meet them, meet those guys again back in Oshkosh. Yeah, we got another little fly in this weekend uh, over at the Scottsdale Airport, which they haven't had one over there, and. Wow, I can't remember. It's, it had to have been at least it seems like ten years. So, and uh, that's real close actually, because you know uh, the Deer Valley to Scottsdale is only ten ten nautical miles uh, in the air at least. So, um, I'll just drive over there and check that out. It should be pretty cool. I don't think it's going to be an air show per se. Pretty much, probably more static stuff and maybe some light stuff in the air. So, but we'll see. Hopefully, it. Uh, it's exciting. I haven't uh, been to that one over there in, in, like I said, at least 10 years. So it's something. Very good. Cool. How about you guys? Any shout-outs? I've been too busy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, give a shout-out to Minneapolis Approach for giving me a, a pretty much instant IFR clearance the other night as I was flying back. and um, I flew up to uh, a nearby airport and... Uh, on the and the weather started to come down, and so I made my uh, my CFII come back with me, uh, so I would have to drive him back up to to said airport uh, afterwards. But it was a very good it was a good choice. Uh, I ended up in uh, needing to get uh, a, a pretty much an instant IFR clearance, and uh, Minneapolis approach was more than happy to oblige. Uh, it's like we're motoring along, and all of a sudden, poof! Uh, we're hard IFR. <laughs> <laughs> All of a sudden, the clouds appeared from nowhere, huh? Yeah, it was just bang. We're in it, right? Okay. Right, right in the soup, huh? I, I guess I don't need the foggles anymore. <laughs> Turn on the windshield uh, wipers. I was very glad I had somebody in the right seat. <laughs> cool. That was about it. Awesome. Yeah, I, I look forward to doing that. Want to do Me that. too. It, you don't have clouds, Chris. Yeah, that's true. I do. Yep. Yeah, you have the advantage that you get, you have clouds and they're not always full of ice. Wow. I mean, you know, our we our first frost was seven weeks ago. Wow. Uh, we were probably two weeks ago. So 
And it's early. By the way, for for those of you who are listening, it's not actually 2012 yet when we recorded this. It's actually uh, November 3rd. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Seven- Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Ouch. Was that a dig? No faith. Burn. You know, as soon as this election is done, I'm going to bust these out in like, man. I know you will because the last time I gave you a hard time about them right before Oshkosh, you banged out like three of them. Oh, yeah. He was that a machine. Was well, and then I came back and I had three weeks of a ton of work and then I had the move to deal with and then the switching jobs and then now this election. It's like I can't catch a break. So that's it. After, and after just this as election, we get, in, just as we get into holiday season, you'll have lots of time on your hands. Yeah. Oh, that's right. You don't have kids yet. No. I don't. And seven weeks ago, I was still sweating just walking to my car. Well, since since our first frost seven weeks ago, we've had weather in the 90s. So oh, wow. Isn't that weird? Now, we have, now we're pretty consistently getting into the mid-20s at night. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's uh, call it a wrap then. Yeah, thanks, everybody. It's good talking to you all. Yeah, good getting back yeah. in touch with you guys. Hopefully... Uh, we can uh, do it again in the next uh, 30 to 45 days and have more to talk about. <laughs> so, Chris, where can we find you on the Internet? All right. You can find me at Chris at InThePatternPodcast.com or Twitter, MyTransponder, or YouTube at C-H-O-L-U-B-A-Z. That's C-H-O-L-U-B-A-Z. And, uh, of course, Google Plus as well, um, Chris Holub. And, uh, Brad, I work find you. Uh, you can reach me at Brad at InThePatternPodcast.com, uh, Twitter at Brad Kane, MyTransponder at Kane, and Google Plus at Brad Kane. And Kane is spelled just like it sounds, Kilo, Oscar, Echo, Hotel, November. All right, Mark, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me at Mark at InThePatternPodcast.com, on Twitter as StudentPilotMark, that's S-T-D-N-T, Pilot Mark. Uh, on my transponder as Mark Lacoste, and on Google Plus as Mark Lacoste. Cool, and uh, you can find me uh, at John at InThePatternPodcast.com, on Twitter as Pilot Conway. Uh, my transponder should be Pilot Conway as well, and also on Google Plus as um, John L. Conway the Fourth, if you are adventurous. Um, and you can reach all of us at InThePatternPodcast.com, on Twitter at InThePattern, and the MyTransponder uh, group page for InThePattern. We also have a Facebook page for InThePattern. Um, or you can search iTunes and search for InThePattern Podcast. Um, go ahead and give us a review rating. Uh, help us uh, um, spread the word and get some other listeners, and um, uh, it'll help anybody um, find us on, on iTunes. Uh, and finally, we also have a Google Voice number. That's uh, 707-PCAST-01. Uh, That's 707-PAPA-CHARLIE-ALPHA-SIERRA-TANGO-01. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Independent Podcast. I'd like to thank you all for listening. Remember, make left traffic. You're cleared for the option. shows at the Aviation Podcast Network. The Voices in Your Head.com.
All right, guys. We'll uh, wrap it up. Oh, shoot. Did someone record this? Oh. I'm just kidding. I got it. I would have killed you. <laughs> I would have, uh, I would yeah, have I flown it. out. <laughs> we just uh, send up episode 18 with just uh, the bars and the sound. You know, the colored bars the that you see on the yeah, screen. The with the meters. Yeah. Either that or elevator music. I'd probably fill out, you know, an hour just elevator music. Oh, there you go. Just hold music for your conference call. <gasps> yeah. That'd be so bad. This episode of the End of the Pattern Podcast brought to you by Oh, you know, I, I forgot to mention something. Um we are we are officially a year old. Yeah, we had a birthday. We had a birthday. I had to renew the domain. Um, so it's really not, it's, oh, God damn. <laughs> that had to be the one time I'm unmuted. Um, he's like, liar, liar, liar. 